A reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 19. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Please be seated. If you are visiting with us and have gotten one of those visitor's packets, inside of there is an attendance card. Uh, we'd love for you to pass those toward the aisles at this time. We've got some gentlemen who will come through and pick those up. That'll give us a record of your attendance. Life is a, a funny kind of animal. Uh, you can be on a very high note one day and a very low note one day the next. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing as you and I look at it and we see all those peaks and all those valleys. And sometimes we look at life and say, you know, life's just tough. And that is the case. Sometimes life is tough because of situations that, that we, we can't control. Sometimes life is tough because we live around folks and things happen. And, and what a tough period of time those things are. And sometimes life is tough because we make it tough. Sometimes life is tough because... What we know and the rules of life that we know, we just, just don't follow. And we find ourselves in a war that we're losing. Now, I'll be real honest with you. If we, if we came down right here after uh, services today and we decided to play uh, uh, jacks or marbles, I want to win. Uh, I remember getting an opportunity when we first got here. The men would meet and the older men would meet sometimes over in the multi-purpose building and we'd play dominoes. And uh, I think Charlie Parker kicked me out because I won. I'm not going over there to play dominoes to, to have fun. I'm going over there to beat all y'all on the ground. I wanna, if I'm playing a game, I want to win. How about you? If I'm in a war and I'm in battle with those things, I certainly want to win. There are, there are things that, are, uh, that hinge on me winning this war. And when we lose this war, we're losing our nation as, as a collective. We're losing our states and our cities. You went home this week or had folks come to your house this week as our nation celebrated Thanksgiving. And I'm sure everyone there, even where I was, look at folks and say, are they following after what God says? We see our, ourselves losing our loved ones. Losing this battle means at times we lose our children. 
And unfortunately, losing this particular battle can cost me my salvation. Entire congregations of the Lord's church are pulled away from the truth by this one particular battle. And here it is. I got hitched. I got tied up. One of my least favorite on this list is I got a housekeeper. Mm. Settled down. A ball and chain. I lost my freedom. Got a boss. I got roped in. We are losing, absolutely losing the battle over marriage in our community, in our state, and in our nation. Because when we look at it in real life, what we see is marriage is recyclable. I can trade a I can trade a 40-year-old model in for 220s. You see how we giggle at that as if that is something to laugh about. That's where that's where we find our country at least in its, in, its, in its basis, desire falling apart. Because God has given us the very plan that He would want His children to live by, and yet what we have decided is that my plan is much better because it satisfies my needs instead of God who created all things, who created marriage, and said, I want you to live this way. And perhaps your husband gets a little... Gray in his goatee. Her wife gets a little gray in her hair. And so what we decide to do is treat them like any other vehicle and just trade them in for the next greatest thing. Did you know that the, uh, the polls of, of our nation are not exactly correct? We've heard for years 50% of all marriages end in divorce. That's not exactly correct. A little less than 50% of first marriages end in divorce. And if you decide to go for a second round, 68%. And if you're foolish enough to go to round three, it's 79%. I wonder why that is. I, it, it is simply because the, the rules that we have, we just put those right there. Those are good for Sunday morning, and they're great here inside this building, but they don't have, really have anything to do with us out there, right? What a shame. Why, why are we losing this battle? What's, what do you plan to do here, Billy? How do, you, how do you plan to fix this right here on this Sunday morning in November in Hot Springs? How are you going to fix the entire nation? Well, I'm not. I'm not. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm not particularly sure I can fix any one marriage even today while we're here at this. But what I think we can do is at least be aware of what's going on and try to fix those things as we're looking at them. 
Let's start with the text. You can start in Genesis chapter 2 if you'd like, and that's probably the best place for us to start. Turn over in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Here's where God is going to say, It is not good for man to be alone. This is verse 18. I'm going to make a helper for him, one who meets his needs. Now, old King James, King James Version would say something like, A helpmeet. The idea here in this particular version, I'll make a helper for him, one who meets his needs, gives us a better understanding of that particular relationship. Now, God uh, formed uh, Eve out of Adam's side. In verse 21, he fell, he fell asleep. And in verse 23, he said, This is bone from my bones, this is flesh from my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, here are the regulations. Don't skip over verse number 24 too fast. Here are the regulations. Therefore, shall a man leave father and mother, cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. See how easy that is? See how easy that seems? Now, everybody who's married, look right here. Is it always that easy? It's not always that easy. Let's just be honest about it. It's not always that easy, but those are the regulations God has set forth. As a matter of fact, as, as uh, Michael read for us just a moment ago in Matthew chapter 19, it would be Jesus speaking to those, those elite uh, leaders of the Israelite world in Matthew chapter 19, to which he would say, have you not read? Which is kind of a slap in the face for them. Not only had they read, they had it memorized. Have you not read that... He who made them in the beginning made them male and female. And he said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And Jesus adds a little something on the end here to tell us about the, the, the uh, time period of marriage. And he says, And what God had joined together, man does not have the right to tear apart. Now, we read that like what God had joined together, let no man put asunder. But realistically, if you're reading it properly from the original, what you're going to read is man doesn't have the right to tear it apart. But at times, those marriages falter, don't they? At times, they're torn apart. Unfortunately, it would be Jesus who would go on underneath the authority of God himself in Matthew chapter 19 who says, now here's, here's the one exception God would give. But generally, when we look at Matthew 19, we automatically turn to verse 9, and, and we, we shouldn't do that. We should automatically turn to verse number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 would tell us that there might be a time where you should wait before you get married. As a matter of fact, Paul would say there, uh, I would wish that everybody who's in Corinth would be like me, at least for this little present distress that's going on. Why? Because they're taking those who are married and taking the husbands out in the street and beating them to death in front of their wives, and now what are the wives going to do? Welcome to persecution in the first century. Paul would say, for this, for this case, it might be good if we, if we just hold off for a minute. Notice he didn't say stop. He didn't say never, ever get married. What he said was just hang on and hold tight for just a minute. So when we look at those three particular texts, we see God says it's not good for man to be alone. Jesus says there's an exception if this happens. And Paul, by the authority of God, would say, and there's a time at which it could pause. That would be 1 Corinthians 7, verse number 26. So let's try to figure out our society 
as we look at those texts today. We're losing the battle because we question who. Because we question who. God created a union for the benefit of mankind as we looked in verse number 18 in Genesis chapter 2. However, if you go all the way back to the very beginning where God created the heavens and the earth, chapter 1, verse 1, and you read from there through chapter 2, verse 18, what you're going to find is God has systematically put in place every single thing on this earth. Look at it. Day 1, He creates light. Why? You need light. What's the first thing that happens in the morning? Does anybody know what the very first thing that happens in the morning is not, I get a cup of coffee. The very first thing that happens in the morning, the sun comes up. Light. You know what the last thing that happens during the day is? Sun goes down. It gets dark. You know how long that's been happening? For about 7,000 years. God created light and created dark. He, 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 he uh, separated that light from that darkness. He goes on in day two to create and day three to create and four, five, and six to create. And everything that he creates follows that pattern. He's going to divide the water from the land. Why? How many of you ever spent enough time in a pool where your, where your hands get all pruny? Anybody? Just me? Yeah. What if you had to live your life in water? Would your body be able to handle that? No. We're designed to live on the land. There are, however, those that are designed to live in the water. When God separates the water from the land, on day number uh, three, two and three, He also creates on day number five and six, those correlating days, animals to go in the air and the water and on the land. All of those things have a pattern. Now, what you want me to suppose is that when he gets to 18, uh, chapter 2, verse 18, he just willy-nilly throws something out there. Oh, this probably worked. Let's see how it goes. That's the biggest foolishness I've ever heard in my life. God set a plan even for marriage, and the God who creates all things, can create a system of marriage that works, and when that marriage system is followed through his plan, works every time. Now, you heard that correct. You say, but what about, what about Matthew chapter 19 when it doesn't? That's, well, he's not following after God's plan, is he? When we follow after what God's plan says, God's plan works every time. If it doesn't, how sure are you about your salvation? Oh, well, he can save me, but he can't do marriage right every time. Mm-hmm, you better watch out. Better be cautious about that. We're losing marriage because we question who. Who created it? Well, God didn't know in, in 2022 what would be going on. Yes, he did. He knew exactly what would be going on. And the plan that he gave in Genesis chapter 2 still works. And so because we question who created it, then we have to question all the rest of marriage and say it probably, it probably won't work that way. We are losing this, this war on marriage because we're questioning which. Well, well, which person can be married? Not everybody can be. Did you know I can't be married again right now? Do you know that? I can move to certain states and I were a union that says I can. 
God says you can be married to one person at one time, and there's one reason for that marriage to dissolve, and there's one exception. God has not given everyone the right to marry. Our state law says you can move from marriage to marriage to marriage to marriage like you and I change socks. However, in Acts chapter 5, verse number 29, it would be Paul who would, would iterate Iriter, uh, who would state this again, that's the better way to say that, to us, to, to, as a point of emphasis to us, reiterate, that's the word. And he would say this, not following after man's law when it conflicts with God's law. Which law is superior, God's law or man's law? State law or federal law or divine law? Now, in order to understand marriage correctly, you're going to have to answer that question correctly. Is it federal law? Is it state law? Is it God's law? Let's explore this for a moment. Well, it's state law. Okay. So, geographically, you can just do different things. And God will have to be okay with it. Well, it's the federal law. Okay. So then, on a bigger picture, just geographically, you can do whatever you want to do. Is it not God's divine law that wraps the entire world? Is it not God's divine law that says that man is, is married to one woman for a lifetime? Our problem is we have a confusion of forgiveness of God towards sin. What we say is not every person has. Well, well, here was a case where you have a person who has been divorced and yet then they obeyed the gospel and so they must be okay to be married again. That's not the case. That's not the case. Because God forgives guilt, He doesn't forgive consequences. Y'all remind me, when we say those things, that reminds me of, have you ever seen uh, Old Brother, Where Art Thou? You remember where he goes down to the river and he gets baptized and he says, you know, the state of Mississippi can't convict me now. And the other guy says, the state of Mississippi is a little more hard-nosed than God. Oh yeah, you can forgive those sins, you just can't forget about those consequences. Shouldn't he just been let out of prison right there? No. And so we question which, and we look at marriage and say, well, why isn't this working? We're losing at this. We're losing because we question what? Well, what if a couple, or what if they, what about, what if a man waits until, turn over to Matthew 19 and verse number 9. What if a man and woman get married? And the man runs off just to leave. And so she waits around until she finds out something happened, and that was been 14 years. She have a right to marry then? Nope. What was the putting away for? Well, he ran off. How do you know that, preacher? I'm going to give you the divine answer. Are you ready? I say to you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and marry another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marry her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Well, what if there is a man who has two wives, 
and neither of them know about each other, and they eventually find out, and, and then those two are upset with him. They divorce him. Can he go out and get another one? Nope. Let me give you the divine answer on that. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. Brethren, now, pay attention and listen right here. This is, as, this is as easy as it gets. Are you ready? If it doesn't fall within that verse, it's wrong. Now, you, did you understand that? If it doesn't fall within those verses that God gave us, we cannot stretch God's law to say, it probably covers that too. When you begin to play the what-ifs in marriage, what you're looking for is a loophole. You're looking for a way to hamstring God. And to that, I would say best of luck to you as you try that. Go through the Old Testament and see those men and women who would be idolatrous worshipers, who would be enemies of God. Find out how well he can be hamstrung. Find out how well, if you want to live that life, a loophole will work. Would it shock you if I were to say the end of a loophole is this? Depart from me, I never knew you. I think I got God right here. I can, I can do this and I can move that and, and he never said anything about this. Mm -mm. You and I had better exercise great caution right there. As God's Word is the final authority. We're losing this battle because we question why. Why don't things work out for mankind? I don't know. That's not really a marriage question. You can ask that question about everything in life. Why don't I have a brand new car? I don't know. Why don't I have this? Why don't things work out for me? They work out for Reuben, great. Why don't they work out for me? They work out for Corbin, great. Why don't they work out for me? In that case, I began to put the blame of whatever's happening within my life. God, as if God is, is not blessing me because I'm doing something or not doing something, but He's blessing these two because they are or are not. Hmm. Sounds a lot like Job, doesn't it? You know what Job found out in the latter portion of the book of Job? The last chapter of the book of Job, as Job is looking around at himself after God has asked him all those questions and after he's asked God all those questions, and he says, I hate myself. I should have never asked those questions. Why don't things work out for me because I'm trying to put myself in God's job? Why can't I do things my way? You can. Listen, folks. You may have never heard this before from a pulpit in your life, but you're going to hear it today. You can do whatever you want 
however you want. But don't be expected to be rewarded by God with heaven for it. But you can do anything you want to do, however you want to do it. But I'm assuming since you're here and studying with me, what you want to know is how can I obtain the goal of heaven? It ain't going to be through your way. Matter of fact, it would be Jesus. John chapter 14, say, I am the way. The exclusive way. Why can't I do things my way? Because you ain't Jesus. Is that plain enough? You can't do things your way and expect to get God's results. Why, why can't marriage be easier? Let's be, let's be truthful, married folks. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because that might be embarrassing for some. How many of you have ever thought or said at least to, quietly to yourself, why can't this be easier? Yeah. You know why? People are different. Two people do, two, do one thing two different ways. And it may not ever be wrong. Life's tough. Marriage is tough because it is. There's more than one person to consider within that marriage. And that's a hard thing for me to learn. How about you? Why can't marriage be easier? How about Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 24? Therefore shall a woman leave father and mother, cleave to his wife, her husband, they shall be one flesh. What's supposed to happen? Is it supposed to be that easy? I don't know how easy as it is to leave your parents' house. For you who are into your early 20s, you're thinking it ought to be real easy, right? I'm trying to get out now. For us parents who are, have those in their early 20s, we say, why are you leaving? Just stay around. Marriage is not easy because life is not easy. Once we get that through our thick heads, we'll understand kind of at least a little bit about what marriage is or is not. We question the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, the why can't I, the why shouldn't I, the yeah buts. And we wonder why marriage doesn't go the way God plans it. There was a television show back in the 1980s. I loved this show. Matter of fact, it would come on on Monday nights, and my mother would say at some point in time, hey, we need to go to Walmart. And I would say, tonight, yes. What time? And we got to make sure we're here for the A-team. I don't know if y'all know about how good the A-team was, but it is a fantastic show. I don't know how many rounds of ammunition were shot in that show. No one ever got hit. The leader had a, a catchphrase, he said, every week. And you knew, you knew it was just about over and everything was just about to be wrapped up in a pretty bow when this phrase came out of his mouth. I love it when a plan comes together. And I can hear God say that about those marriages that follow his rule. Those marriages that follow his standard. I love it when a plan comes together. Now, I can see him look at those other plans, those other marriages and go, 
I can't help you with that. In the marriage in your life, or in the marriage that you're going to have in your life, follow the plan. It's just that easy. Follow the plan. Just do what he says to do. As a matter of fact, let me, let me encourage you not only in marriage, let me encourage you in your life. Just do what he says to do. It's so much easier. For example, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew chapter 13. Listen to what I have to say. How about Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6? For without faith, it's impossible to please him. For they that come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Follow the plan. Follow the plan when Jesus says in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, shall all likewise perish. Follow the plan when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 32, If you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before the God who sits on the very throne of heaven. Follow the plan when Jesus says, Repent and be baptized. Follow the plan in, in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 where Jesus says, Be faithful unto death. When you follow that plan, following this plan will fall right in the middle of it. That plan of marriage, with that one exception, happens because we are a creature of free will. We have our opportunity to make our own choices, and sometimes, even in marriages, the choices that we make uh, are terrible choices and destroy a marriage. It's a plan of God for His child to be able to come back home when He leaves. You know why that is? Because we're creatures of free will. And sometimes, in the course of following God, not only do we make bad choices, but we make terrible choices. And we find ourselves standing knee-deep in a hog pen, looking at the slop that that pig is eating and thinking, boy, I'd like to eat that. In my... I, I, I'm not the greatest student of the Bible in the world, but for my estimation, Luke chapter 15, verse 17 is the best verse written by human pen in the New Testament. Speaking about that, that, that little uh, young fellow who, who turned all his dad's inheritance into liquid cash and ran away, verse 17 will say this, And when he came to himself. That's my favorite part. He had opportunity to stay. He could have chose not to ever go back. But I want to uh, tell you something that an elder said today in class with the young folks. You're not so far away from God that he has closed the door. There's always opportunity to come back. But you're going to have to choose it. 
We're going to have to choose to follow the plan in our marriage. We're going to have to choose to follow the plan in our life. And if you haven't followed God's plan to become his child, you need to. And if you need to follow the plan to come back home, you ought to do that too. Right now, while we stand and sing for your encouragement. All things are ready.